So welcome everybody. This is Elaine with Impact ADHD, and we are here today with an interview with Peter Shankman. Let me introduce you to him before I welcome him to, to talk with all of you. Peter is an entrepreneur, a CEO, he's a runner, a skydiver, a podcaster, he's a triathlete. Um, most of all, for, for audience, he's also a dad, so he understands the life that, that we all lead, trying to manage ADD with ourselves and potentially with our kids. Um, Peter is the founder of Shank Minds Breakthrough. It's a private online entrepreneur company, so he works with hundreds of members around the world in and, and, and that entrepreneurial realm. And he's probably best known for creating something called Help a Reporter Out. We refer to it as Hero, which is the world's largest source repository. Uh, it fundamentally sort of shifted how journalists source their stories. It's a really great online resource for people in the media from all different directions. He's the author of four books. He's the host of this top-rated uh, podcast called Faster Than Normal, and has really spent a lot of time in the last couple of years helping people understand ADHD, the gift that it brings rather than the curse. And so he's going to talk to us today about using ADHD to its full advantage, some life rules he, he brings to the table. Welcome, Peter. It's great to have you. Ah, thanks so much. Good to be here. So, so tell us a little bit about your life rules for managing ADHD. You know, the thing about ADHD is it's, it's very easy to do a million things at once, but the problem is that sometimes you don't, can't do a million things at once. Sometimes you need to focus on just getting one thing done. Um, you know, what I've figured out is that I call it elimination of choice. The more stuff I can get rid of, the less I have to think about first thing, um, the easier it is to get through things. You know, uh, there's a great quote from an old movie called War Games where the, the okay. computer, learns that, computer learns that no one will win at nuclear war, and it says the only winning move is not to play. Um, right. And so I, I tend to abide by that. So some examples of that, um, you know, when I, when I wake, I, I always want to go to the gym first thing in the morning. So to prevent myself from figuring out ways not to go to the gym, I sleep in my gym clothes. When I wake up, <laughs> my, sneakers, my sneakers go on within 10 seconds of hitting the floor. And I'm out the door. Um, I get up around 3.30 in the morning. because 3.30 in the morning. morning? Yeah. So the best time for me to be able to go to the gym is first thing in the morning before my daughter wakes up. And so the only time, the only way for me to really do that is to leave my house around 3.30, quarter to 4 in the morning. I get to the gym. I get the workout in. Um, and then my day is better. And I know it's a simple act of if this, then that. I know that if I don't work out, my day won't be good. If I do work out, it will be. So I focus on getting the things done that I have to get done to put myself in the frame of mind to have myself a better day. If I don't, if I have a bad day, you know, you can usually trace it to having not worked out. So, so for me, so what time, just curious, what time do you go to bed? Around nine o'clock. Wow. So, so I know a lot of people listening will hear that and they go, well, I don't have that kind of discipline. You know, it's funny. Um, I didn't either until I decided I wanted it. You know, mm-hmm. my favorite my favorite conversation with this is when people say, "Oh, you know, I I just don't have the time to do what you do." I'm like, "Well, that's it's really a bummer that you live in a world where the sun rotates faster around the earth, or the earth rotates faster around the sun than it does for me." Yeah. You know, that's obviously not the case. We all have the same 24 hours of the day. How we choose to use those 24 hours determines the outcome of our lives. Right, and what strikes me about what you're saying is that it starts with setting a very clear intention. You know, in our world, we call it taking aim, right? But here, making the decision about what you do want, what's important to you, and then letting the rest flow from there. 
Well, that's exactly it. And, you know, once you realize exactly what you want and how to get there, you figure out ways to do it. And if it's important to you, you get it done. You know, I, I run this mastermind group, like you mentioned, Shank Mind. And every once in a while, like, someone will leave and they'll say, you know, look, I really like it. I just don't have the time. I'm like, well, no, you do. You just don't have the priority. And that's fine. But call it what it is. Right. You have the priority to do. Because that's saying you know the time is insulting to 200 members who have figured out how to find the time. Right, or have found it important enough to make the time. Right, and yeah. I think in the world of parents, there's often that, that how do you create the time, make the time for what's important when there's so many things that are important. Yeah. So, and the other thing that strikes me is you talk about elimination of choice, and yet so many people these days are sort of arguing for wanting more choice, and, and it almost feels like, like a deprivation kind of approach. But it doesn't you know, seem like that when you talk about it. I look at it along the lines of I know what, things are good decisions for me and what things are bad decisions for me. And rather than sit there and try to prevent myself from making a bad decision, I simply prevent myself from getting into the, into the, um, I prevent myself from having the opportunity to make a bad decision. I'll give an example. Um, I quit drinking. Not because I was going out and getting drunk every night, but because when I drink, I don't have one drink. I have like five drinks. And then I wake up the next morning and I kind of feel crappy. And then my decision is not to go to the gym because, oh, I'm tired. I'm hungover. So let's eliminate that. Right. I, when I go to Las Vegas, um, I have a writer in my speaking contract that says I'll, I'll, I'll only do a lunchtime keynote because that way I have to get, I take a 6.30 flight in. I'm there by 10.30. Um, I do a 12.30 keynote and I'm on a 4 p.m. flight home. That eliminates my having to spend the night in Las Vegas where something good or bad may or may not happen. Why give myself that opportunity? All right. So, so by, by narrowing the field, you actually increase your opportunity to focus on what you want rather than sort of what's happening around you. So, yeah, I mean, just basically the premise of it is, you know, it, not having to think about it eliminates it. If I had to think about it, would I do something stupid? Probably not. But let's eliminate that opportunity. Let's prevent that from happening to begin with so I don't have to think about it. The more I have to think about it, the more I can get in trouble, the more there's the opportunity to do something stupid. Eliminating the opportunity prevents that. Right. So preventing the opportunity to do something stupid enhances your opportunity to do what you want. <laughs> yep. So, so what are some of your other approaches, your life rules for, for using ADHD to its full advantage? Well, I think that, you know, for me, I have to understand that I am, um, you know, my brain moves very, very fast. And so I need to make sure that my brain is on a, um, uh, on a uh, specific path. So, you know, again, when I work, I make sure that I get into what I call a zone of focus where I only work, I do things at times that only work for me. So, for instance, when I wrote my last best-selling book, I had eight months to write it, and I procrastinated for six and a half months. Uh, with two weeks before it was due, I booked a flight to Asia. I wrote chapters one through five on the flight out. I landed in Asia. I went to the lounge, I had a coffee, I got back on the same plane, same seat, two hours later, wrote the second half of the book, came home with the book. That's the only way I know how to work. Uninterrupted, and it worked. I spent $5,000 on a business class ticket to, for no other reason than to write a book, and it worked perfectly. You have to understand that some of the things you're going to do when you're ADHD seem very strange, but they are the right things to do if they work for you. So, so what, what helped you figure out what works for you and what doesn't? Because I think, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even be able to understand that, that it's that, that you're sort of harnessing the power of hyperfocus 
in your zone of focus, right? But how do you, how do you get to that level of awareness? Trial and error. It really is trial and error. It's being able to realize what you need and, and what you, uh, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Eliminate that which doesn't and increase that which does. You know, I have very specific programs on my computer. I only look, um, I only look, I only use a, uh, 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 program because it, it, one of the things it does, it shuts down the rest of the, um, the rest of the, uh, um, computer. So I only have to use, uh, you know, nothing else bothers me. I don't get notifications, nothing like that. And so, so, it, so you eliminate, you eliminate multitasking effectively. Exactly. Yeah. I, I some very specific things. Right. So one thing at a time. Exactly. Follow through to the end. Do you, are you, how are you on, at completion? Uh, as long as I'm in the zone and doing things the right way, it's fine. So what happens when you get distracted? When something um, else comes up? Well, I, I don't, so I allow myself to work in such a way that it doesn't. When I'm on a plane for 14 hours, there's nothing mm -hmm. that distracts me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I get, I'm fortunate that I get to travel as much as I do. That's when I get all my writing done. So, so there's a simplicity factor here. There's a, there's a clarity about really knowing what you're focusing on at any given moment, making the decision about what's going to have your attention. And that's what's really jumping out at me is that you are deciding what to pay attention to. It's being aware of what works in your life and implementing that regardless of what it, how annoying it might be or what people might think about it. Mm -hmm. So, so how, how do you handle it when life shifts? You know, when your three-year-old becomes a 13-year-old, for example, like, like, and your life modifies that way. Things change. And as things change, you alter your course, but you don't do it on a whim. I have a rule that anything I do cannot be changed midweek. Anything I do can be changed Saturday. Saturday. Yep. So give us, give us an example. If I want to, if I tell myself I want to bike... 50 miles or 100 miles this week, I can't on Wednesday say, you know, I'm going to change it to 50. I have to get through the 100, and then I have to go then on Saturday after I do the 100, then I can say, okay, you know what, next week I'll only do 50. Okay. So there's no changing of your mind, but you can change the future plan. Exactly. So what that does, if I say I'm going to go to the gym, eight, you know, five times this week, I can't on Wednesday say I'm going to sleep in. And it, it, it prevents bargaining, which is hugely important. Say a little more. Well, you know, you can always, oh, you know what, I'll go to the, I, it's really early, I'm really tired, I'll go to the gym tonight. Bullshit, you're not going to go to the gym tonight. And you know you're not going to go to the gym tonight. So how do you hold yourself accountable to not bargaining? You have to say to yourself that you're not going to do it. I mean, it's, I know it sounds ridiculously simple, but that's it. You know, you're a grown-ass person. Make the decision and do it. Mm -hmm. I had a coach I worked with once who used to say, make the decision and then make it right. Exactly. And you know what? You're going to screw up. That's fine. But you have to understand that at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're a product of your own decisions. Yeah. 
Okay, so we've got a couple. You, you had mentioned four life rules. I've heard elimination of choice, zone of focus, um, hey, sort of clarity of making a decision. What, what else? I would say the concept of, uh, to go back to elimination of choice, elimination of extras. So if you look at my closet, I have two sides to my closet. One side says TV and speech, and the other side says office. TV and speech is button-down shirt, button shirts, jackets, and jeans. Office is T-shirts and jeans, and that's it. Okay. I have a couple of suits that they sit in the back for high holidays. But if I had a, if I had to go, oh, look at that. There's a sweater. I remember that sweater. My friend Jenna gave me that sweater. Wow, I wonder how Jenna. Let me look her up. It's three hours later. I haven't left the house. So you eliminate those things, which take up time or make you create different choices and things like that, and just you know streamline, essentially. So what do you do with tchotchkes when people give you things? I give them away immediately. Immediately? Yep. So the, will, will there be a room in your house for your kids' art? <laughs> so I, I was born and raised in Manhattan, and I live in New York City now. I live in a two-bedroom apartment. You learn to minimalize very, very early in life. Yeah, I bet you do. I'm in a place where I'm downsizing, so I could I could take a, a page from that book very well these days. <laughs> So so there's not an emotional attachment. It's a very practical decision-making at every moment about what's, what's your priority. It's almost what it sounds like. It's a, like a, I think a few things, but no, primarily the goal is to just get rid of stuff and not, and not uh, waste time like that. Okay, so elimination of choice, elimination of extras, zone of focus. Anything else? Um. At the end of the day, you have to understand what matters. It has to, you have to understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you, and then you just have to stick with that. You have to be honest. Yeah. Well, and being honest with yourself sometimes can be a really challenging thing, particularly for people who have, who have not yet learned to master and manage their own ADHD. So what advice exactly. do you offer there? The first thing I'd say is just understanding that you do have a gift, but, you know, if someone gave you a Honda, you'd be fine. You'd drive it. It'd be a car. If someone gave you a Lamborghini, you wouldn't just take the thing in the office. You'd have to learn how to use it. You have to learn how to use your gift. And so the ADHD brain is the Lamborghini. Exactly. So do you subscribe to Dr. Hallowell's theory that it has bicycle brakes? Well, that's bicycle brakes that you can make a lot stronger. But you need to make sure that you need to make sure that you're doing that. You know, I make my brakes stronger by eliminating choice. I make my brakes stronger by doing my work on airplanes. I make my brakes stronger by eliminating the things that prevent me from using my brain to its full potential so that I can. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity for you as a result of that is well, I've started and sold three successful companies. Um, I've written four books, two of which are bestsellers. Um, I run around the world giving speeches, and I have an awesome daughter. So I think I'm doing okay. So creativity and, and huge success. Yeah. How does it impact the, the relationships in your life? Um, they're difficult, but the women who I've been with understand that, uh, you know, understand why I am the way I am, and they either they either you know I work really hard to make the best to, to be the best I can and they understand 
They understand there's be- there's benefit to it, and they understand there's curses to it, just like everything in every relationship. Well, one of the things that, that strikes me is that, that it's a very um, – you, what you're exercising here is a very strong self-management. Uh, how does that show up when about what you bring to the relationship? Because relationships have a fair amount of give and take to be successful. I am very aware of what – my what whoever I'm with is uh, how they live, and I, I'm very aware that I am, you know, very uh, outgoing and very, um, you know, sort of in your face in a lot of ways. And so I take a very strong, I make a very strong effort to tone that down. Um, I'm very aware of how I act, what I do. Um, yeah, and I'm very aware of how I do it. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, awareness, you know, we always say in, in the coaching realm that awareness is half the battle, right? Once you once you raise your consciousness and your awareness to what you're trying to do in the first place, that's the path to, to creating the changes, to creating the steps, the processes, to putting yeah. the, the systems in place, right? So um so let's let's sort of bring this conversation to a close and, and honor your time and mine. What what sort of final words of wisdom would you offer on this sort of issue of ADHD management for adults and life rules and elimination best, of focus best, and of choice and extras. Best thing I can tell you is to ask yourself what are you doing and how's it working? If it's not working, ask yourself if you can apply any of those things to improve it. It's surprisingly not difficult once you understand, you know, how your brain works. It's actually pretty easy to fix. You just have to. It is a constant, a con, not a struggle, but a con, you're constantly working. You have to constantly work at it. Right. Yeah, we are an ongoing work in progress for sure. Well, thank you so much, Peter Shankman, for your time and for your wisdom and for sharing it with our community. And um, look forward to another conversation in the future. I appreciate it very much. Pleasure with mine. We'll definitely do this again. Take care. Bye. All right.